2: Man, we've got a great show for you guys tonight. We're going to do our first full official first round mock draft with Sarah Bettinger. Sarah is the co-host of the Knights of Den podcast, which covers all things Denver Broncos with his boy Brandon Keckler. Uh, You know, but he also is the chief editor and lead site expert for NFL mocks which means he is my boss. So we appreciate him for coming on. Check out all of his work. Feel free to follow him on Twitter at Sarah Bettinger. That is at S-A-Y-R-E-B-E-D-I-N-G-E-R. And however and wherever you found this podcast, please be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave that rate Leave that review while you're there. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, do all that fun stuff that all of us podcasters beg you to do every time you hear us and listen to us. We appreciate you guys for listening to us on the NFL Mocks podcast brought to you by Fansided. Visit nflmocks.com, guys, to check out all of our writings, all of our works, uh, however and wherever you found this podcast, man, we appreciate you guys for listening. Without further ado, let's get into this mock draft with Sayre, Here it is, folks. I hope you enjoy. All righty, welcome into the NFL Mocks Podcast. I'm joined by a very special guest tonight to do a first-round mock draft. We're going to trade off picks back and forth. I got Sarah Bettinger. He's the co-host of the Knights of Den podcast. He covers the Denver Broncos, obviously, on that show with his boy Brandon Keckler. But more importantly, he's the lead site expert for NFLMocks.com and my chief and editor, which kind of makes him my boss. So, Sarah, thanks for joining us here on, well, your kind of podcast, the NFL Mocks Podcast. How you doing, my man?
3: Dude, I'm doing so great, and uh, I just got to say, man, you're doing awesome, killing it with this podcast. I love listening, Uh, just just great, I don't know, it's just great work so far, man. I'm loving it.
2: Yeah, it's not very often, uh, you know, the general audience gets to hear, you know, a staffing review right here on a podcast, so... That's nice to know. Obviously, you're our site expert. So, how long you've been working with NFL mocks? I should know this stuff, but um, let's pretend I don't. How long you've been working with NFL mocks, my man? Yeah, so I got
3: connected with NFL Mox back in 2011, actually. So it was kind of a uh, it was kind of a brutal year to really start off. Uh, that was my first paid writing gig. So um, I got started during a lockout year, which is Ooh. crazy. But uh, but it was good though, because I got to cover, it was the year the Broncos hired John Elway as general manager. And so I got to cover the Von Miller draft right away. So yeah, it was 2011. It was kind of a fun, interesting year. I mean, every day, just refreshing Twitter and hoping that some kind of deal had been struck between the NFL and NFLPA, and just a lot of, a lot of that stuff. So it was kind of a crazy time, but it was really good. And I've enjoyed, it. I was in college at that time. So I think I was a junior in college back then, so it's been awesome, man I love it. I love
2: NFL mocks. I love fansided. Uh, it's been a lot It's been a fun journey. Most definitely. I, I've enjoyed my uh, limited time so far, obviously working for NFL mocks and uh, doing this here podcast for fansided as well. So obviously, I told you pre-show, I'll, I always do a little bit of background research. On all my guests, mm-hmm. which means I spend about five, ten minutes just Google searching you. So um, obviously the, <laughs> the information I found out so far is uh, you grew up a Hawkeye fan, an Iowa Hawkeye fan. Yeah. Your dad was an alumnus or is an alumnus. Yeah. So uh, what does being an Iowa Hawkeye fan mean? I've never met one of you uh, in real life <laughs> um, down here in the southeast. We don't run into uh, Big Ten fans very often, let alone Iowa yeah. Hawkeye fans. So what's it like? Uh, rooting for uh, a team such as the Iowa Hawkeye football team
3: you know it's pretty cool it, it seems like we've uh, we've got about a 50/50 shot of beating an SEC school every year in the Outback Bowl so well, <laughs> it's, there you go. it's kind of funny you know uh, that's that's our connection with the SEC I suppose but yeah you know it's uh, it's interesting you get one team about every five you know, five, seven, eight years that That's might like, make a Rose Bowl, oh, man, Bowl run. <laughs> yeah, this is the team. This is the one. So, uh, I've always just enjoyed. I mean, the consistency of the Iowa football program, specifically. You know, with Kirk Ferentz, it's kind of cool to have the longest tenure. I think he's the longest tenured coach in college football at this point. If I would if not, I heard that right?
2: Would not know. surprise me at all. He's been. Uh, he's been there as long as I can remember. I mean, I'm I'm just yeah. 24 years old, but. I mean, as long as I could, uh, you know, been watching football, Kirk Ferentz has been at Iowa. So uh, my other yeah. research I've done on you, sir, brought back that you are a Michael Jordan fan. Now I know this is oh, not yeah. uh, this is not an NBA podcast. This is a primarily NFL uh, draft-oriented mm-hmm. podcast. But anytime I run across a Michael Jordan fan, um, considering I'm a diehard uh, Bron fanatic, I, you know, I n- <laughs> don't necessarily hate on Jordan. I can still uh, still consider him number one. But I always got to ask a Jordan fan when I see him, um, if you didn't have your Elway jersey on growing up, were you dripped in the jump, man? Is that what you had? Oh, Is that what absolutely. you were rocking? Were you were you rocking the jump, man?
3: Absolutely. I should resurrect some of those photos on my Facebook page or Instagram or wherever at some point. But, yeah, I mean, since I was a baby, uh, my older brothers, were they really grew up. I, I was kind of on the back end. So I, I was born in 89. So I was kind of on the back end of the Jordan career and like yeah. I was really impressionable young kid during Space Jam and so like I'm I don't know LeBron Space Jam is a, the even the idea has always been blasphemy. Scoff me scoff at I mean it. I grew up on the back end I know yeah exactly scoff at that No my older brothers were big um big Chicago Bulls fans big Chicago Bears fans but may I think they mainly latched on to the Bulls because of Jordan obviously at that time but they were growing up kind of in that prime age range where you know, it'd be like this generation uh, with LeBron, really. And so um, I kind of just followed what they really liked. And I lo- I've, I, mean, I loved Michael Jordan, mainly probably as a kid because of Space Jam. And then kind of found out more about the history of who he was as I got a little older. And I just, I love everything. I mean, the Jumpman logo, I've been rocking the Jumpman. I bought, I even bought a pair of shoes in college that I, that I had when I was a little baby that my, my parents got me. I, they, they brought the same exact shoes back. And so I bought the the adult size ones, and yeah, I mean I love Michael Jordan, just the the legend that he is, and the aura that he carried with him, and just everything about him, man. He was, he was just cool, you know. He he was just the definition of cool back when when I was a kid. So always have uh, always have looked up to him as a as an athletic superstar, and just
2: just one of the greatest of all time in any in any sport for sure. All right, so we got twelve year old Sarah. Walking down the middle school hallways, right? We're sixth, seventh grade. What's the what's the what's the go to jump man fit? What do you got? Head to toe, what are you rocking? I mean, are we going as far as to say you got a headband on? Anything crazy wild like oh, that? Yeah. I mean this is the two oh, thousands, yeah, right? This is boy bands in sync time, right? At that point, when you were in middle school, right? I mean, (laughs) headbands to, like, normal places off the court was kind of a a, a normal, natural thing to see in the early 2000s. I'm not talking wild here. So what was the go-to fit, man? What, What did it look like? What were you rocking?
3: All right, well, so I so I have to admit, I've been to both NSYNC and Backstreet Boys live, yeah. so you, you nailed that one. So, all right, we got to go with the
2: We had the Frosted
3: Tips, of course.
2: I had Frosted and Tips then, as well, so yeah. don't we sound like a bunch of white boys in a Backstreet Boys concert. <laughs> so, what's the next? Frosted uh, Tips, it. we started from the top, Frosted what's tips. next?
3: Yep, we got the Black Jordan headband. I still have that in my sock drawer. uh absolutely still have that so no, it's a bold no statement
2: there it. it's a bold statement for Sarah growing up I'm assuming in Nebraska or were we are were we where were we at at this time I grew up in actually Sioux Falls South Dakota so about oh, three hours yeah we love you Sioux Falls yep. we love you Sioux
3: Falls absolutely we do so yeah so we had that and then actually you know I probably would have been I probably would have been rocking a football jersey in middle school oh um,
2: was, so it gonna, was it backwards
3: was it backwards you know, I never did catch on to the backwards. oh I that is, that, that is did that, okay. that didn't make it up to Sioux City.
2: Okay, that didn't make it up Sioux Falls. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah.
3: Yeah. I was born in Sioux City, actually. Funny you mentioned there. So we're we're all connected now. We're yeah, I got a, connected Now
2: a buddy of mine that yeah. was at my brother's wedding, Dave McTomsh or Dam. Yeah, Dave McTomshay is from uh, Sioux City, so that's my I'm connection okay. sure. to, to Sioux City Highway. Now he's in the uh, Philadelphia Phillies organization. But uh,
3: long that's story awesome. short.
2: Um, Let's get into this mock draft, Sarah. We've got a lot of work to do. Um, So here's how this is going to work, audience. We're going to trade off picks one at a time, okay? Pretty simple. Making selections for each team. We're going to act as acting GM and owner for those franchises. One rule, there's no trades. Um, The other rule, it gets a little complicated for the listener. The other rule is that obviously Sarah had to get his sweet Broncos. So that means he's (laughs) picking evens. I've got odds. So we got that. Everyone's ready. Audience ready. Sarah, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. All right. So let's pull up my big board. I got my big board. You know, I'm a nerd. I put it on an Excel sheet. That's how I get down. (laughs) We get down and dirty here on this Excel sheet. So number one, obviously we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. So, the rumors have been flying, right, since the NFL uh, Combine, Sarah, that Kyler Murray is pretty much locked in at one, right? Rumors been going, 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 going. So all the signs are pointing to Kyler Murray uh, with those rumors and whatnot. And if you want to even take it further, the signing of Terrell Suggs, they fill a need opposite there of Chandler Jones. So the signs, however, <laughs> on the other end that maybe it's not necessarily a lock with Kyler Murray at number one is the fact that they haven't shopped Josh Rosen at this point. But all that being said, Sarah, I'm going to take him off the board. I'm going to take Kyler Murray and and you know just assume that what we've heard leading up to this point is true um, and they're not all full of crap. I mean, because to me, sir, here's what you'd have to believe. You'd have to believe that a 20, what, 4, 23, 24, 23, 24-year-old Josh Rosen – it's completely fine with you spreading these rumors out here, um, even to the point of him being in on it and wiping his Instagram clean of Arizona Cardinals, um, you know, memorabilia and, and photos. So that's what I'm doing. I'm taking Kyler Murray off the board before you get into your pick there at number two. Before we put the Niners on the clock, what are your thoughts on Arizona right there? Kyler Murray going number ones here. I, I'm with you on that. Absolutely.
3: I totally buy it. Um, initially, I thought it was just kind of a funny coincidence that, you know, uh, Cliff Kingsbury had said what he said about yeah. drafting Kyler Murray number one if he had the pick. I was like, oh, that's funny. You know, I wonder if he would actually do that, you know, and, and then he gets hired by the Cardinals. And I mean, I think it's a lock. I I don't know. I've heard the when I hear Peter Schrager say that something is a lock. Yeah. I don't know what it is about him, but he called Christian McCaffrey like January uh, back in 2017 or whenever it was that McCaffrey was drafted. Um, he called that back in the January of that year. I still remember that. And he's called a number of things every year since then. And he's he's on Murray to the Cardinals. He was the first guy that I heard really reported as like, a, hey, this is a thing that's going to happen. And so I, kinda, I actually kind of like it. I mean, I think yeah. it's a fun fit. And uh, I think Kyler's going to do really well in the NFL, especially uh, with a coach that believes in him. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good fit.
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, you mentioned Peter Schrager. To me, he's one of the very few guys in NFL media, especially as well-connected as he is. When he says something, I don't necessarily feel that he has, you know, um, desired intentions behind it or anything. I just feel like he's, he's relaying his uh, source sourced information. Uh, a lot of these guys in the NFL media, I feel like they're, they're, you know, they got people feeding them information that, you know, has intentions behind it, if you know what I mean. So uh, with that being said, Sarah, let's put the Niners on the clock. Number two, Kyler Murray's off the board. That leaves Nick Bosa. That leaves players like Clinton Williams. What do they do at number two there, uh, Sarah? Go ahead. Oh, we know the 49ers got the interior defensive line locked up. You
3: know, you got Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, and then uh, they made the trade for D. Ford. And so I think that the only logical, exp- or logical conclusion here that we can draw is that they're really building towards making Nick Bosa centerpiece here. Uh, and I think that that's exactly the pick that I'm going to make here is Nick Bosa. He's just – he's so good off the edge. Um, he's got everything that you look for, the the size, the athleticism. He's well-rounded. He's got some good pass rush moves. He's a hard worker. Uh, I think – I don't know. For me, I take these guys' decisions when they decide to kind of sit out I don't know how severe his injury was, and so I'm not mm-hmm. going to speculate about that and everything. But I do think part of that was a business decision to say, like, yeah. look, I'm not going to get myself hurt. And so – and I respect that about these guys because you see – I mean, I cover Jake Butt. And and I oh, think that if, if Jake brutal. Butt had made the decision, you know, to, to not play in that Florida State game two years ago, I think he'd be one of the best tight ends in the NFL right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, he's torn his ACL yeah uh, yet again, he tore it this past year for the Broncos, and he tore it that that night against Florida State. And so you, you don't fault guys like Nick Bosa for – I don't think he quit half that season. I think he just made the business decision. Like his stock is what it is. He's a top-five pick, and I think yeah. he's going to prove himself correct here. And the 49ers get a nice – I mean, just think about that, that defensive front seven that they have going there with – Bosa and D. Ford and Solomon Thomas, Buckner, Armstead. Uh, then you got an up-and-comer last year, uh, the linebacker from BYU. His name's escaping me at this point because I'm totally, totally engrossed in this year's class. But um, they, he's a he's a really good player, both in space and blitzing. Mm-hmm. He can just do a little bit of everything. So I, I like what they're building there on that defense. And John Lynch, obviously, he's got to be proud of the job that he's done in a short amount
2: of time. No, I love the Nick Bosa pick here. I feel like, you know, they've, they've missed on so many type of playmakers. there on the defensive line. I, like you said, I know we know they have interior defense linemen that can stop the run. What we don't know is whether or not they have a guy that can get after the pass or get after the passer. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you, you mentioned the D4 move. I like that. Um, and then they lock him up for a couple of years as well with the extension. So, again, pair him up with Nick Bosa. I think that's a very safe and solid pick. Um, however, I think, you know, if Arizona doesn't go Kyler Murray, if we spin it off that way, uh, maybe Nick Bosa goes one. Hypothetically, that at that point, I think the 49ers move out of the number two position. I think that might be a little too high for uh, John Lynch and that staff to maybe risk a, a potential pick at a guy like Josh Allen or anything like that. They've got too many in- interior defensive linemen, uh, d- despite mm-hmm. how good Clinton Williams is, um, in my opinion. So that leaves us at number three. Uh, with the New York Jets. Um, we'll start with their team needs, uh, in my opinion. It starts with defensive line, right? you got to get a playmaker at that position. Leonard Williams can't do it all by himself. Uh, that being said, Greg Williams comes over as a defensive coordinator. What is he truly going to run? Is he going to stay primarily in that 3-4 defense that he likes, or is he going to bump down to a 4-3? I'll tell you what, last year when you watched the Jets on film, they you know, may be listed as a 3-4 defense. They played a lot. Of 4 3. What does that mean for the common listener that doesn't necessarily like the X's and O's talk um, in the 3 4? You know, they have one primary defensive tackle um, in the 4 3, they have two. So, that being said, I'm going to draft with Quentin Williams on the board, assuming that they're going to run a traditional 4 3 in New York. That being said, they're going to need another defensive tackle to help shore up uh, that defensive line um, there with Leonard Williams. Get him you know, less attention on that defense line. I think he's been drawing way too many double teams there in New York. So, um, Quentin Williams falls to them at three for that reason. I'm taking Quentin Williams, defense tackle, out of Alabama, off the board there in New York. Your thoughts, Sarah? Definitely can't argue with that
3: pick. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who can get interior penetration, and he's really it. I mean, he's, he's the best, and he just – doesn't he just
2: ooze confidence? Have you listened to him talk? I mean, he's just oh, and a the smile too, baby. Guy. A couple, a couple things him. about that guy. I think he absolutely loves playing football. Right, that's one. That's so important <laughs> uh, when you talk about drafting these guys because this is their profession. This is what they're going to do for their foreseeable future. That's the first thing. The second thing, I think there's so much room left for this kid to grow. I mean, not only do you look at the kid's face; he still embraces folks. Um, but <laughs> I love but it. I, it's crazy. I think, you know, only 24 starts in college, but he dominated in those 24 starts. Obviously, I had to sit behind a litany of guys there at Alabama. And uh, again, a ton of room to grow there for Quentin Williams. That puts you on the board, Sarah, your Oakland Raiders at number four. All right. What does John Gruden and Mike Mayock, the dream team, do there at number four. Yeah. One of three picks, right, in the first round. They've got three yeah, of them. Three. What's going down here at number four?
3: Yeah, I I really hate to to claim the Raiders as my own, but uh, you know, this is it's it's a tough pill to swallow, but That's, we gotta it's do not, it. It's not
2: very good taste in your mouth, I would assume, there no, for you. No. No, absolutely
3: not. Um, you know, I have been so enjoying watching John what John Gruden is doing in a You know, from a Broncos fan perspective, Uh, but I also think that, you know, it's hard to argue with you bringing guys like Antonio Brown, Mm -hmm. uh, Trent Brown, Tyrell Williams. I mean, these guys are all in on making this team better. And so I I think that the fans in, in Oakland should be optimistic at this point. You get Lamarcus Joyner on the defensive side. Uh, I I can't think of a more perfectly suited Oakland. player to play for the Oakland Raiders than Vontez Burfict. Absolutely. I mean, could you could you picture a more Raiders player? He's like the reincarnation of Bill Romanowski. So um, I, I'll be interested to see how they approach this draft. But I think the dumbest thing that John Gruden has ever done is trading Khalil Mack. I mean, yeah. And and if I was an Oakland fan, I think that you would look at these moves to trade for Antonio Brown and pay him all this money and, and pay all this money to Trent Brown. Why are they doing that when they wouldn't pay even Khalil Mack? I mean, there's reports out there that Gruden wouldn't even give the guy a call. So I, I think that that's the, that's the most brutal aspect of this. If I'm a Raiders fan you know, I'd rather not have one of these first, these two first round picks than uh, if I could have Khalil Mack back. So I think that they have to go with that edge player with this pick, whether it's uh, Josh Allen or whether it's Montez sweat. And I think that most people are probably going to have Josh Allen higher, higher on their board overall. And I think that Allen's really a good, versatile fit. I mean, the the Raiders are going to probably run a pretty traditional Mm 4-3 defense. And so – and Alan fits that. He's a guy who could play either role, really. I mean, if a a 3-4 team wanted to draft him, I think he'd be excellent in that regard. I think he's just a really safe pick. I don't think he has the type of upside that Khalil Mack has or Von Miller or anybody like that. But I think he's going to be a really good edge player in the NFL for a really long time uh, because he works hard. I mean, you saw him – he was – he was almost kind of dogging it early in his career at Kentucky. And then he really whipped his butt into shape uh, and had a couple of outstanding seasons. I mean, just phenomenal statistical production in the sec. And you can speak more to that even than I can, because I've only seen, you know, the, the games that I've evaluated for scouting purposes. And so uh, just a, just a great edge presence. I think he's going to be a double digit sack. Guy, but I just, I don't know if he's going to be that type of impact player that they had when Khalil Mack was
2: there. Most definitely. I mean, I was doing, obviously, I do a lot of research for this kind of stuff, as do you. Um, last year, the Oakland Raiders were last in the NFL in sacks with 13. No other team had less mm-hmm. than 30. So, just think about that. I mean, there's a 17-sack <laughs> gap between them and second to last place. we got to pick things up a little bit. We're about 20 minutes right. in here, Sarah. So, let's get things rolling. We're at five with the Bucks. I think it's easy here. You lost Quan Alexander. Let's take Devin White off the board, linebacker at LSU. Some might think that's a little high here at five but I think you've got to fill the gap uh, um, there. You can't have, I think, Buchanan's their only linebacker, middle linebacker on roster right now. So let's take them here, there at five with the Bucks. That puts the Giants on the board at six there. Who do you got? Uh, you know, I think
3: that uh, from everything that Dave Gettleman's been saying this offseason, it doesn't sound like this pick's going to be a quarterback. But as with everything else that he said, I feel like he might be lying through his seat. So, Uh, I'm taking Dwayne Haskins here with this pick for the Giants until proven. Otherwise, I think that they need a franchise quarterback for the future. Uh, And nobody really I don't think anybody there really believes that Eli Manning is is the solution going forward, especially without Odell.
2: So I'm taking Haskins. I like the pick uh, my QB number one on my big board. Obviously, for the risk factor, right? You want a day one starter if you're taking this high in the draft. We're not trying to be there next year. And I think Kyler Murray might put you at the potential to do that because he could flop. I think there's a very, uh, not a high chance for that to happen, but it's higher for a flop than Haskins is. So let's move on to seven. Mm -hmm. That puts the Jags on the board. They got their quarterback, or at least they think they did, in Nick Foles for that reason. Um, You know, I think you got to protect him here. Uh, Let's take the first tackle off the board. Give me Jawan Taylor. I love him here. You know why? He played right tackle in college. They have their left tackle there uh, already in Jacksonville. I'm drawing a blank on the name. He got hurt last year, uh, the kid out of Alabama. Cameron Robinson Robinson right there. Give me Jawan Taylor, the offensive tackle out of Florida. Let's take him off the board. That puts the Detroit Lions on the clock at number eight. What do they do there?
3: Sure. Lions. I like the I like Matt Patricia, the way that he puts together his defensive game plan. I think it I think it requires a number of different uh, and versatile defensive linemen. And yeah. I think there's kind of a no-brainer fit here. I mean, obviously they get Trey Flowers in free agency, they've got Ashawn Robinson. Uh, they've got some pieces there for sure. But I think a guy like Rashawn Gary, just yeah. an athletic freak who can play the edge, he stays in the state of Michigan, he's going to go play
2: for Matt Patricia. I love that fit for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, so obviously Rashawn Gary is the quintessential Belichickian protege-like pick. Mm-hmm. Just a physical freak, and let's hope we can get him in and teach him how to become a, a, a football player. And he's a lot like Trey Flowers, right? Can play all up and down mm-hmm. the defensive line. Maybe not. Maybe not the best fit as a pass rusher. Uh, as an edge rusher there at the defensive end position, but he's going to make plays in the run game at all times from whatever position you place him at. So that puts the Buffalo Bills on the board here at number nine, right? So let's start with the offensive needs. They tried to do their best, you know, get going out and getting weapons to come to Buffalo there, almost had a trade for A.B., right? But he, you know, <laughs> the, the, the common move, when you're getting threatened to be traded to Buffalo is threatened retirement, right? Threaten the trade was threatened retirement. Um, I'd rather retire to go or go to Buffalo unless you're giving me four years, 29 million. And my name is Cole Beasley. In that case, I'll go freeze my buns off up in Buffalo, but nonetheless, um, I think wide receiver is an option here. I think offensive line has to be an option here. Um, you know, they have a decent left tackle out there in Buffalo. Um, but he's not the greatest in the world, and you don't have any interior offensive line um, there in Buffalo either. but you still need weapons. I'm not huge on this guy, Sarah, but the talk of the town is DK. Metcalf. Let's give mm. Josh Allen, who can throw it to the moon, a guy whose number one deal is to run go routes. DK. Metcalf, have fun go freezing your nuts off up there in <laughs> Buffalo. What are your I love thoughts? It. You know, if anybody can run under Josh Allen's bombs, it's got to be DK
3: Metcalf and John Brown, right? Right. <laughs> if anybody can find their way underneath those things, I mean, boy, that guy was throwing them through the uprights at the senior bowl. I, I still don't understand how he was a lock top 10 pick from people who evaluate the NFL draft and, and Drew Locke isn't. So, I don't get it. I, they're, I mean, I don't know. I just don't get it. But I like the pick for Buffalo. I mean, it's an exciting pick. and you try, Like you said, they tried to get Antonio Brown
2: and Here they are. They've got DK Metcalf and John Brown. So, you know, let let DK go straight down the field out of the outside and let John Ross terrify safeties from the slot going vertical. (laughs) And let's just run four verts all day. You got Zay Jones, a guy you invested highly in a couple years ago. Um, You know, you're not going to be able to protect Josh Allen uh, worth a damn, but you know what? He can run (laughs) around and uh, let's just hope we, uh, you know, burn folks deep. Um, nonetheless, exactly. I like to the pick there at nine and that gets us to your sweet, sweet Denver Broncos. What does John Elway do? And does he take another stab at a quarterback? Cause I know for a dang fact, sayer, Joe, Joe, Flacco ain't stopping John Elway from taking a stab at nothing. You know, I, I
3: thought that that might be the case as well. Um, uh, but hearing John Elway talk and just looking at the investments that they made, they're actually paying they paid more money to get rid of Case Keenum and add Joe Flacco to the yeah. mix than they would have if they would have just kept Keenum and his $21 million cap. It. So they've added money to the to the budget at quarterback already by trading for Flacco and then trading away Keenum. They're eating $7 million there. So all in all, it's a 20, $25.5 million investment in the quarterback position of the starting quarterback spot when it could have been just 21. And so I think if Denver really wanted a quarterback, I think they would have just kept team him in place yeah. and hope that, you know, hope that the rookie beats him out at you know some point in training camp. And then you can transition him in either early in the season or midway through or whatever, what have you. Um, but I think Chris Mockdraft scenario presents honestly, one of my ideal scenarios for the Broncos. It's kind of a Bradley Chubb type of scenario from last year where there's a guy on the board that you just can't pass up on because he's such an elite talent. And uh, I might be higher on this guy than others, but Ed Oliver, um, that's my pick there for Denver. They, they lost their interior defensive lineman to free agency. Uh, Domita Peco. he's out. Um, they've got three guys on expiring contracts. Derek Wolf, Adam Gatsas, Shelby Harris. They're all on expiring deals. And so uh, I think Ed Oliver, he's that guy who's going to fit right in the middle of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb for years to come. And uh, those guys are going to go terrorize Patrick Mahomes altogether.
2: No, I love the pick, man. I'm really high on Ed Oliver as well. Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, on my big board, number two defense tackle there just behind Quentin Williams. I like him more uh, than uh, others. I mean, I like him just a little bit more than Jeffrey Simmons. I'm also in agreement with you on the John Elway comments, right? I mean, he's coming out talking reckless about how Joe Flacco is probably entering his prime, at least in his thoughts. (laughs) So um, I I I think you're there on the right path. I mean, you got to follow the rhetoric at this point. I mean, guys are lying through their teeth, but all you can do is follow the breadcrumbs, if you will. I love Ed Oliver, and I love the pick there and the value at 10. And uh, you know your deal, right? I, I mean, you know what you're talking about. Petco, you lose him. And uh, Mm -hmm. Derek Wolfe, a a guy who's been a staple there in Denver, coming up on the expiring deal, Uh, Ed Oliver, a great pick there at 10. Which brings us to 11. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Um, I think the quarterback uh, position is going to be a position to address in the near future. However, I don't think it's this year's draft. I think they're going to wait to be much worse in future drafts. Uh, For that Mm. reason, go out and get a young tackle to potentially protect that future investment at the quarterback position. However, this could be uh, a position uh, and a spot for Devin Bush right here at 11. Uh, He's still available in this draft, and he's still on the big board. Um, I'm kind of inclined to say no, though. Um, Let's take a look at the available offensive tackles. Um, You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Andre Dillard off the board. To me, um, the best available pass-protecting offensive lineman in this draft, that's where the league's going. Um, you got to be able to protect your investment at the offensive or at the quarterback position, which I think they're going to make uh, in the coming drafts uh, in the near future. You lose Vontez Burfict at the linebacker position. Would Devin Bush be a fill-in? Yes, but I think uh, at, here at the 11 pick uh, is a little bit too high of an investment for me in Devin Bush. What are your quick thoughts there before we hit on the Packers at 12, sir?
3: Yeah, I think you're right on. I think I think this is pretty high for an off ball linebacker who, you know, is under six feet tall. And and that's not to say that Bush isn't a great football player, because I'd love to see. I mean, if Denver took him at 10, I'd be I'd be happy about it. But I think you're right on. You get the best or what Daniel Jeremiah has called the best pass which can tackle in this year's draft at a position that the Bengals have really struggled at, especially since they let. Andrew Whitworth go. Um, he's been great for the Rams. Sir,
2: so I'm going to tell you this right now. Offensive line is what I do. Evaluating big guys, uh, move their feet is what I consider my best talent uh, in this scouting department. Andre Dillard is nothing short of a freak at the left tackle position in terms of pass protection. Now, they ran the ball by 80, per, or they passed the ball by 80 percent of the time in Washington State under Mike Leach. So can he, uh, you know, run block? Uh, I don't know because I literally don't know. We haven't seen it on film, Uh, but I love him here at the 11 pick. Again, for an an offensive line that needs a ton of help. Let's get on to 12. What do the Green Bay Packers do? Uh, How do they get Aaron Rodgers back into the playoffs and healthy?
3: Man, you know, a few weeks ago I would have said they're for sure going to take a pass rusher, but then they went and spent all that money on Sedarius Smith and Preston Smith, so – uh, man, this is tough. And I think that the Bengals' decision to not take this guy kind of leaves me in a position with, you know, the Packers have two first round picks and uh, they could really go a number of directions here. I don't think there's any. I think I don't know think where any you're going. Real, like, you know, I don't know. I don't think there's any real pressing need here. So I'm going to take Devin Bush off the board oh. and add him to that mix. I'm going to add Devin Bush to that front seven that they've got going there. I could see it, could see one of my Iowa boys at tight end here. That's what I was about to say. I thought you were going Noah you know? Fant
2: for sure. Oh yeah.
3: I mean that would be and that'd be a great fit, and he'd be good to learn from from Jimmy Graham for a year as well. So I don't know. I mean, it could it could go any number of directions, especially since they've got two picks there in the first round. But you plug Devin Bush in as the kind of the new middle, new leader
2: of that defense. It mm-hmm. could work out. I feel you, I feel you. So I mean, I like both Devons are off the board at this point. I think that kind of wraps up the linebacker position in terms of first-round caliber and first-round grades at that position. So that takes us to 13 with the Miami Dolphins. And obviously, the future at the quarterback position was by no means solved with the signing of Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, which kind of, you know, makes you wonder if he's a bridge-gap quarterback. Does that kind of give the, or lead them uh, away from drafting a quarterback here at 13 drew Locke still on the board. Um, but you know, I, I think they're kind of here for the tanking for two, a kind of thing. Again, I think this is another one of these, uh, you know, as Mina Kimes calls it a fish tank, which is uh, rather creative. That's why they pay her the big bucks. Um, yep. but nonetheless, I, I think, I don't think they're really invested in the quarterback position and on our draft and the way this mock draft has kind of worked out a guy's kind of slid in terms of you know one of these guys that blew up the combine and has his stock value has risen the Dolphins need a defensive end I'm gonna pass on Drew Locke here give me Montez Sweat here at the 13th spot you know the freak right 6-5 ran the four four <laughs> one at the combine out of Mississippi State the production at the college level matched the numbers I love him here at the thir- number 13 pick Give me Montez Sweat off the board. What are you doing at 14, sir? Here down here in the South. I'll give you the Southern pick, the team of the South, the Atlanta Falcons. What are they doing at 14?
3: Gosh, you know, I think they'd be kind of pounding their fists on the table in anger at not being able to get Montez Sweat. I'll tell you what. Almost
2: that much. there. They, I mean, Falcons fans are sitting there crossing fingers hoping here Drew Locke on this mock yep. draft and they don't hear it. I'm sorry, Falcons fans. I should have let him fall to you. (laughs) Yeah, I I think they'd be pretty happy with that pick, but
3: you know, I'm going to go with another Southern guy here. I'm going to go with Christian Wilkins, the interior defensive lineman from Clemson. As far as what the Falcons are doing, franchise Titan Grady Jarrett, uh, you get a guy who can rush the passer from the interior, and you get A perfect compliment, in my opinion. I don't think there's a team that Christian Wilkins wouldn't fit on because he's such a good team player on the interior defensive line. He just does anything and everything that's asked of him. He's a high-character player. He's a very good athlete. I just think that that's a smart pick for Atlanta here. They have a number of different needs they could look to, but I think that Christian Wilkins is a really safe pick if they can't get a guy like Montez Sweat to fall to them uh, or somebody like that.
2: I like the pick. I probably... Um, You know, I I like Brian Burns there out of Florida State, Mm -hmm. uh, potentially to the Falcons. But, you know, if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan and uh, you're maybe scared of seeing the next Vic Beasley walk through the door because you're not necessarily happy with (laughs) the production you've seen out of the young talent from Clemson, Brian Burns is pretty much Vic Beasley 2.0. So I could see maybe a little bit of hesitation from that general manager staff there in Atlanta. I'm not as high as you are on Christian Wilkinson, um, or excuse me, Christian Wilkins out of Clemson. I, you know, the one thing I always worry about uh, guys that are coming out of defensive lines like that is you play in the a- ACC 1, um, a good college division, but not necessarily the greatest in the world. Um, the offensive lines you're playing against are more than overwhelmed with the talent uh, coming at them from the Clemson defensive line. Um, so, you know, I like to pick in terms of The roster needs there in Atlanta, and I think Atlanta Falcons fans would be happy seeing Christian Wilkins, uh, maybe the future replacement of Grady Jarrett, if they don't indeed get that long-term deal sealed up, um, though they have all the intentions in the world to do so. That takes us to 15 with the Washington Redskins, and boy, is this fan base happy to see Drew Locke fall to the 15th pick here. I'm going to make it quick uh, and take him off the board there. Uh, They're in salary cap hell at the quarterback position with Alex Smith, (laughs) that injury, Sarah. It's ugly. It's not great. Um, You you know, you finish the end of the season with the number one pick from the AAF in Josh Johnson at your quarterback position. Uh, Not necessarily great there. So uh, let's solve some issues. Let's get your rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. Drew Locke falling to 15 off the board here at the Washington Redskins. What are your thoughts, Sarah? I love it. I love it. I think Drew Locke is a great fit for Jake Gruden's offense. You know, he's
3: uh, he's kind of run that iteration, uh, so to speak, of a, of a Kubiak-Shanahan-West Coast offense. So it's a good fit. I think it's a good fit for Drew Locke, who can push the ball down the field vertically. Um, needs some work on the intermediate and short area accurate accuracy, but I think he's got the arm. He's got the moxie. He's got the confidence to be able to play at the NFL level, and I think he's going to work hard. So I think he's a good. I think he. I think he is a franchise QB. I don't know if he's going to be a high end, high level franchise QB, but I do think he has what it takes to play in this league for a long time. I think. I think of him
2: kind of as a, a Jay Cutler with a good attitude type of guy. Oh, so we're not going to catch him smoking cigs at the bar, um, <laughs> you know. Kind of no, stuff no. You, you mentioned, Moxie. Uh, my word would be swag. I think your quarterback in the NFL nowadays has to have swag. Um, mm-hmm. And you know what? We saw we see Tom Brady's stories just came out about him. He's literally indulging himself uh, in modern rap music stuff. His teammates are listening to just in hopes of being able to connect on a millennials basis. Um, and he's going through psychotherapy to do stuff like this. Um, Drew Locke, right. the swaggiest of the quarterbacks uh, in this draft, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> You use Moxie, I use Swaggiest. That's what we're doing here on the NFL Mox podcast. That takes us to 16 to Carolina. What do the Panthers do, Sarah? Hit me with it.
3: I like it. The Panthers, they got to get younger on the edge. You know, last year they were rolling with Julius Peppers and, and Mario Addison. Um, no, no offense to those guys. Those guys have been good players in the league for a long time. And in Pepper's case, he's been a good player in the league since I was, you know, like in eighth grade. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think this is where Brian Burns comes off the board. You get young, yeah. you get athletic off the edge. Um, you get a player who's going to be a really good fit for that Panthers defense. I like it. Speed, youth, and and the
2: ability to 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 say, hey, meet me at the quarterback. And he can do that multiple times a game. All right, so that takes all five of my top five defensive ends off my big board, which makes me run to the Google machine and pick up the big board, an even bigger board for, uh, you know, what we got going on moving forward. But, you know, that was just my way of filibustering to get that Google page to load up. How about that? (laughs) That that takes us to 17, right? This is obviously the Browns pick that was involved in that OBJ trade. So the Giants sitting here at 17, you took a quarterback there at six, so that leads me to believe that the strategy here has to be defensive in, which made that filibuster even more crucial. So that being said, <laughs> you took Dwayne Haskins there at number six. All of our top five defensive ends are off the board. I'm still filibustering because nothing's loading. But nonetheless, um, let's find a defensive end. Give me one. Give me one. Let's find anyone. Let's see. Um, let's see. Not Ja'Kai Polite. Cleveland I like Farrell. Cleveland Cleland Farrell. That was the name I'm going with here. We go back-to-back defensive ends. Um, I think they have to go Cleveland Farrell. Uh, fill in for that Olivier Vernon uh, trade, obviously. And I'm going to leave that top defensive end draft board uh, up. I should have been more prepared than that. Um, obviously, <laughs> more than five. I mean, five in the first 17 picks, though. How about that? That actually makes six. Out of seventeen, we're over a third of our picks being defensive end and edge players. How about that, Sarah? Get us to eighteen. The Minnesota Vikings. I know it's crazy. It's a defensive line loaded draft, though. Um, still, some good defensive tackles available. Um, you know, some Jeffrey Simmons, some Dexter Lawrence. Hey, how mm-hmm. about some? Uh, you know, maybe preface or preface some of these picks. Eighteen. The Vikings. What do they do, Sarah? Man, the Vikings—they've got to
3: get better on the offensive line. I don't think yeah. there's any question about that. It doesn't matter what position they're picking here; they have to get better on the offensive line. And I think one player who's gaining a lot of traction over the past uh, couple of months is Cody Ford of Ooh. Oklahoma. And so I think Ford is is a guy. I know you you're the offensive line expert here among us, but he's just he's everything I would, I would look for in an interior offensive line player. And so. I think that for the Vikings, who have historically Rick Spielman's done a great job of finding massive offensive linemen who could play right away, yeah. And so I think that this is it's time to go back to his bread and butter. I mean, he's taken a cornerback in how many first rounds of how many drafts in a row now? It feels like, yeah. Between you know all the guys that they have there, I don't even know. I can't even name all of them off the top of my head, but so many top picks at corner. Mm-hmm. It's time to stop. It's time to if you can if you're listening to this Spielman, it's time to stop. Okay. So, Cody Ford is the pick here
2: from Oklahoma. I mean, I, you got so many holes at the offensive line position. Cody Ford wants to play right tackle at the NFL level. I probably have him more slotted, at least on my big board, to play interior offensive line. But either way, um, you know, probably a first-round cal- first caliber player. I probably would have taken Jonah Williams since he's still available here on our mock draft at this point. But nonetheless, Cody Ford, a really good football player there out of Oklahoma, which takes us to 19 to the Tennessee Titans, and this fan base is really, really happy that they now, on our mock draft, have the option of either of the Iowa tight ends, Um, you know, and I think they go Noah Fant here. The more modern of the tight ends, even though I think TJ Hawkinson has the chance to be maybe a baby Gronk, maybe a hybrid of Rob Gronkowski and Zach Ertz, I think that's the maximum ceiling for TJ Hawkinson, but Noah Fant, I think he's a more Um, electric and more elusive version of Evan Ingram out of Ole Miss a couple seasons ago. Um, I really like what Noah Fant's doing or has done at Iowa. You obviously watched him more. I think one thing, Sarah, I don't think he gets very much credit for how powerful and how well he actually uh, converts uh, speed to power at the uh, tight end position in his blocking game. I think he's underrated as a blocker. I think people see what he does in the slot there at Iowa, but they don't necessarily see what he can do as a as a blocker he wasn't asked to do it a lot at Iowa but when he did it he attacked it with aggression what are your thoughts I know you watched him a lot more yeah yeah I think he gets a bad rap for being such
3: a good receiver you know you see all these guys that are coming out who are billed as these big wide receivers or these big slots and no offense getting lumped in with those guys just because he's a you know a four or five guy at the tight end position but that's not the case I mean Kirk Ferentz you don't play at Iowa unless you can block yeah. Uh, you don't play tight end unless you can block. And I'm not saying that Noah Fant is, you know, he's not Gronkowski or he's not even Hawkinson. Hawkinson's a much better overall blocker, but he's a willing blocker, he's able, he knows how to how to fulfill his assignments. And I think this is something really underrated. I've been trying to pitch Noah Fant to the Broncos fan base a little bit because you talk about a guy who can block out on the perimeter or as that big slot. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to run out if you're trying to run outside the tackles, I mean this is a guy who's gonna be able to crash down and block downfield and find these guys just because he's so
2: experienced at it. He's done all that stuff already, so I'm with you. I think he's a very underrated blocker. All right, so that takes us to, tw- or to 20, excuse me, the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do the Steelers do? Obviously, they had a lot of losses this offseason with the loss of Antonio Brown via trade and Le'Veon Bell via free agency. On the 20th pick overall in the first round, the Steelers are on the clock there. What are they doing? Yeah, I think this is a situation where the Steelers, they have an opportunity to do
3: what they had done best in the past until they kind of changed. It seemed like they changed trajectory recently with taking a lot of guys who I consider to be reaches in the draft. But there was a long period there with the Steelers. You'd be like, man, how did that guy to the Steelers? How did that guy follow the Steelers? I think this is a year where that happens again. You talk about Jonah Williams. Um, I know he's he stated he wants to play left tackle in the NFL, and that's great. And a right tackle is way different. But you trade away Marcus Gilbert, I don't know how high they are on Matt Filer. I've never I've never actually even heard of that guy. But I know they re-signed him, so uh, I don't know how high they are on him, if they're high enough to pass on Jonah Williams for him. But I'm taking Jonah Williams to that pick and plugging him in as my
2: starting right tackle immediately. Yeah, one thing I've noticed from the uh, Steelers organization is that they don't really draft on need. I think they draft off, like, best available player. I think a lot of NFL teams do that, but they're the epitome of it. I mean, if you if just look at what they do at the receiver position every year. Even when they have a slew load of them, they still take uh, a receiver in a, you know, a second or third round pick, just like they did last year with the kid out of Oklahoma State. So um, <laughs> that takes us to 21 to the Seattle Seahawks. I've got on my notes here, take best defensive end available, but we've already got six of them going off the board. For that reason, I like the value of Jeffrey Simmons here at 21. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take Jeffrey Simmons off the board. Look, you've obviously got the off the field concerns, which I don't necessarily uh, take too much weight into. This is a mistake this young man made dating all the way back to his high school days. Never had an issue at Mississippi State and was a dynamite player. Yeah, he had an ACL injury in training, but we've seen that happen multiple times. I think the Seattle Seahawks of all people. Pete Carroll has, has been known to take chances on players like this. Hell, he, you know, won a Super Bowl with Percy Harvin, taking out people and punching them in the jaw in their locker room there in Seattle. So he <laughs> doesn't necessarily have any issues taking a chance on a guy. Jeffrey Simmons, I love the value here at 21. Um, even though, you know, they do need defensive end help. I know you franchise tag Frank Clark, but that does not mean he's going to be there forever. But Jeffrey Simmons, great value here at 21. I think they swipe him up there. Yeah, he's definitely a top five,
3: top five talent in this draft. And I think Seahawks fans would lose a little bit of sleep at night knowing what's happened with Malik McDowell's career and the injuries and the similar, it's kind of a, kind of an eerie similarity there between those two guys with both off field and injury concerns coming in. But I love, like you said, the value there. You get a top five player at pick number 21. That's pretty awesome. I think for 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 Baltimore here, it'll be interesting to see what Eric DaCosta does in his first year, kind of taking the ship over. Uh, I don't know if the Alabama trend is going to continue without Ozzie Newsome in there uh, making the calls, but you never know. I mean, I'm sure he's still got plenty of pull there. So uh, I don't even know who I'm looking at, the Alabama players available. I don't even know who the Ravens would need here in this spot. So I'm going to take for them the best interior offensive lineman available. And I think... Uh, and maybe maybe you'll disagree with me on this. I think that the best interior offensive lineman in this draft is Garrett Bradbury out of North Carolina State. Yeah and I mean so uh, if you're just pure interior lineman guys who aren't transitioning from one position to the other, I think this is a
2: guy who could start right away. All right, so my take on Garrett Bradbury is you better be running uh, you know an outside zone scheme. I think he's a he's a guy that is a, a tremendous athlete at the center position. Um, you know, the Buffalo or the Baltimore Ravens tend to be a smash mouth, uh, you know, more of a downhill type of offense, but nonetheless, Garrett Bradbury is a plug and play starter at the center position. So I love the pick at 22. Um, you know, they, you know, probably could use some wide receiver help. So maybe an AJ Brown here at 22 might be a good look, but here we are 22 picks deep. We don't have a single DB off the board believe it or not, and I don't think that's going to happen at 23 either with the Houston Texans. Um, They need as much offensive line help as they can get, so it's a combination of who you like there at uh, 23, whether it's Caleb McGarry, the kid out of Washington, Dalton Reisner, maybe out of Kansas State, or if you like the, the upside of Greg Little, I'm not so high on it. Give me Caleb McGarry, Offensive tackle out of Washington. I think he definitely fits the mold and the style of play there in Houston. Just a nasty, nasty right tackle to help protect, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, who's been injured a ton. So that takes us to 24, the Raiders. This has got to be a DB here, I have to believe. There's a ton of DBs, kind of right? What do they do? Yeah, 24, the it, Raiders are on the clock. It. You
3: know – they pick up coming here in three picks, and I don't know if I would risk. I don't know if I would risk this guy not being there three picks from now. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to I'm going to say that the Raiders would like one of Greedy Williams, Byron Murphy, or DeAndre Baker enough to wait until that next pick, and I'm going to take T.J. Hawkinson off the board. There you I go. hate to send him to Oakland, but you lose Jared Cook to the Saints. I have no idea who the Raiders tight end even is at this point, and I think that Hawkinson is a guy who's going to really appeal to the style that John Gruden and Mike Malk are going for, just in terms of their their offense that they're going to be running there. He does everything well. Uh, I'm sure if, if they wanted him to run the Spider 2 wide banana, I'm sure he could you know, have some type of role and involvement in that as well. So
2: oh, Hawkinson joins banana, the baby.
3: offensive weapon. Yeah, yep. it's, it's he a joins the offensive it is. It is. It is. a. Dynamite. It's worked for a long time. And I think that's John Green's main philosophy as an offensive coach. It's, if it's worked for a long time, it's going to work. So <laughs> we'll see how that works out. But Hawkinson, you know, combined with Antonio Brown, all those guys they've got there, I
2: like it. All right. So that takes us to the Philadelphia Eagles at 25. And they've got their pick of the litter uh, in terms of DBs. It's a short DB class. I know they re-signed Ronald Darby on the cheap. But you can never have enough corners, and this is a DB staff that at the end of the year, they had your nephew and your neighbor playing DB for them in the playoffs. So for that reason, I think the Philadelphia Eagles take their pick of who they think is best available at the cornerback position. You name the three names that are on the top of my board, whether it's Greedy Williams, DeAndre Baker, or um, Byron Murphy out of Washington. For me, if it's me, I'm not saying this, this is who they like. Um, but to me, I think uh, DeAndre Baker put together the best film in his college career. I know he did not test well, but I love what he did out of the SEC there at Georgia. Give me DeAndre Baker, best cornerback available um, again. I think if there's no corner taking uh, 25 picks into this draft, they've got their pick of best available. They have to go corner at that position. What are your I like thoughts there? I think that's a great pick. Like you said, you can never have too many corners,
3: especially too many guys who can who can actually play. Yeah. Those guys are those guys are so valuable especially come playoff time and the Eagles know what it's like to to deal with injuries at those positions specifically. So they need to be deep for a playoff run. They've got so much talent on the defensive front. It would be a shame to see that go to waste if they didn't have guys who could capitalize off off that pass rush, they got going.
2: Most definitely. I mean, obviously a great spot for Josh Jacobs. We've seen that in a ton of mocks here. But in our situation, De- the corner's all still available. They go corner right there at 25, and I got him taking DeAndre Baker, which takes us to 26, the Indianapolis Colts. What do they do? Josh Jacobs still on the board, but they already have a litany of cor- running backs in their stall. What do the Colts do here at 26, Sarah? They do. They do have plenty
3: of running backs. I think that they, if I mean, they could have gone for an upgrade. They might still sign Jajaie. Who knows? They signed Justin Houston uh, on the day of this recording, so really interesting pickup there. Especially after they weren't super active in the early goings of free agency. Gosh, I love the I love the defense they're putting together there with Darius Leonard, Justin Houston, Jabal Sheard, all these guys on the defensive front. Their secondary it's improving. You know, it's it's improving. They've got some pieces there. The resigned Clayton Gathers, resigned Pierre Desir. I think this has got to be a corner. I mean, I think it's got to be a corner. And I think for me, like you said with the last pick, I mean, this might not be the Colts' favorite guy, but I think it's my favorite guy here would be Greedy Williams. I just think, you know, you get an opportunity to get a guy who can make some plays on the ball. Now you've got the rushers and the players in front of him who can uh, force those early throws. And I think he's the type of guy who could really capitalize off a quarterback making making some kind of uh, knee-jerk throws out there. So, I'm going to take Greedy Williams here for the Colts.
2: So, I'm not, like, extremely high on Greedy Williams. I knew he was going to run well. We knew that. Never saw him get burnt in college. Um, we knew he was going to run well. Um, what we obviously haven't seen, and we're not going to be able to see until he gets onto a professional field at this point, is whether or not he can tackle, right? I mean, I didn't see him ever get in there and want to shake it up at the college level. Uh, Nothing makes me believe he's going to want to go out and do that at the professional level. But nonetheless, uh, you know, some scouts are a lot higher on him. Uh, Love the pick there. I think we go corner, corner, corner again because the Oakland Raiders, obviously, uh, at four, you took Josh Allen, the edge rusher, out of Kentucky, and then you came back at 24 and took T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end, out of Iowa, which leaves the DB position still a question or a position of need for the Oakland Raiders. With that being said, I'll take Byron Murphy off the board here, which gives us after seeing no DBs drafted in the first twenty-five picks, we take three in a row there with DeAndre Baker, mm-hmm. Baker Greedy Williams, and Byron Murphy, which puts the Los Angeles Chargers on the clock Sarah. at twenty-eight. Uh, what do they do? I think they got to get better at the defensive line. Uh, position, maybe a little bigger and deeper, but nonetheless, your pick, your take, go away. I think you're exactly right.
3: Interior defensive line, maybe. Uh, the, I hate it, Gosh, again, I'm getting, I'm getting the AFC West teams today, are I? At least you get the Chiefs. You get to pick for the Chiefs. Well, there you go. Um, I, you know, I, I like uh, Chargers entire defense is just awesome. Uh, but if you add Dexter Lawrence to the middle of that, that I was think that
2: the, they could be just absolutely deadly. That was the remaining defense lineman on my big board, or excuse me, interior defense lineman on my big board, which means I'm running again to the Google machine just in case. But nonetheless, <laughs> I like the pick there, Dexter Lawrence, the big hefty man out of Clemson. So that takes us to 29 um, to your, well, not your, your beloved or hated uh, Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs. Um, You know, and and not a lot of holes here except for the defensive end position now with Justin Houston and D Ford having left this staff. Um, You lose uh, Eric Berry now, um, obviously, to free agency, but you do sign Tyron Matthew, an in-the-box safety um, or, you know, kind of a do-it-all safety. Um, I don't think there's, you know, necessarily great defensive ends left available in this draft. Maybe you like a Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech. You know, but again, or a Zach Allen, for God's sakes, out of Boston College. I'm not prone to make that leap there at that position. So, again, with the Kansas City Chiefs, I think they take, you know, maybe Jonathan Abram here. Let's take a safety off the board. Let's take Jonathan Abram, the, you know, thumper. Let's fill the, let's make wide receivers terrified to go across the middle with Tyron Matthew and John Abram out of Mississippi State. Your thoughts on that selection, sir? Boy, you'd have two of the
3: toughest, most confident safeties in the league there. If you took Jonathan Abram and paired him with Tyron Matthew, that's for sure. And the Chiefs are definitely going to need some confidence on the back end because they've got absolutely nothing outside of Chris Jones on that defensive front seven. And so, like you said, it's a at this point in the first round, there's really nothing for them there to to hang their hat on as far as a pass rusher. So they've no. got to go with the best defensive player on their board, regardless of position, because they have so many holes at, at every position. I think I like that pick. I could also see center being in need for them. You know, they lost yeah. Mitch Morse to free agency, but he was injured last year. So they might have his replacement already.
2: already you know set, what? So. You know what? Can I, can I renege? I mean, like, as if we're playing spades right here. I know I dropped a a low spade on the table right now, but can I – I mean, if we're going to fill him in with a center, I've been trying to find a way to get my boy Elton Jenkins into the first round, though I know he's not going to be. Actually, we'll leave John Abram on the board. It's too high for Elton Jenkins, even though I love him. Maybe they swipe him up there with their second-round pick. Um, That takes us to 30. Sarah, who do the Packers, their second pick here in the first round, who do they take? A.J. Brown, a lot of receivers. Marquise Brown still on the board. Who do the Green mm-hmm. Bay Packers? I hate to keep spoiling your picks, but who do they no, go with here all good.
3: at 30? You're, you're thinking along the same lines as I am, but I am really high on Nikhil Harvey from Arizona State. Mm. Uh, I just think he's that kind of alpha. I don't know exactly how he would fit in with Devontae Adams, but I think he's got that alpha mentality at the receiver position, and I think that Aaron Rodgers, obviously, I mean, he's not – He's not getting old in, in terms of Tom Brady years, but I mean the Packers are they've been wasting away some of Aaron Rodgers' best years in my opinion. And so, um, with trying to hang on to Jordy Nelson probably too long, Randall Cobb, same deal. So now I'll go get a guy like Nikhil Harry who can be another alpha to go with Devontae Adams and, and haul in some touchdown <laughs> hauling some touchdowns from Aaron
2: Rodgers. I like that idea. Yeah, I'm i re- I'm actually kind of big on uh Hollywood Brown right here in this spot. If he were Uh, available at 30, and here's why. I think Devontae Adams is your number one in this system. Uh, He's going to be your outside threat, right? Nikhil Harry is a guy who's never going to be able to win from the slot, in my opinion. Um, If you wanted to go big receiver here, um, you know, but this is a lot of bias coming out of me, um, Sarah, because I'm huge on A.J. Brown. I love A.J. Brown in this draft. I think he's getting slept on, but Nikhil Harry, nonetheless, I don't think Green Bay Packers fans are upset with that pick there. Um, I've seen also Hakeem Butler get a lot of love in this pre-draft mm-hmm. uh, lead-up, so maybe that's a potential look there. But offensive weapon, I think, is the go-to move because, like you said, they filled a lot of holes in free agency on that defensive end. So that takes us to 31 with the Los Angeles Rams. I think there's some interior help here, but you've already taken uh, some or some interior help needed here uh, on this offensive line, uh, but you've already taken Garrett Bradbury off the board um, and, again, I think it's too high for Elgin Jenkins. Um, But, you know, they, they need tight ends. There's not a first-round tight end available unless you like Irv Smith uh, to be a first-round caliber tight end. Um, he didn't test well enough for me to be a first-round tight end, uh, but to me that's the only need left to fill in this roster. So for that sake, I'll take Irv Smith tight end out of Alabama, even though you just heard me, Sarah, not a lot of conviction uh, for me in that pick.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, he's one of those guys who you would say,
2: if you're the Rams, you would say, well, he's not going to be there
3: with our second-round pick. No. So we got to get him right now so they could either trade back and try to get him or or just take him there and get that fifth-year option from him. So
2: I, I, I don't mind it. All right, that wraps up or brings us to our last pick, 32, Mr. Irrelevant in the first round. Just kidding. 32, the New England <laughs> Patriots. Who do they take, Sarah? Man, this is
3: this is kind of a tough spot. I I don't always know exactly what to to project for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I Think that they've got they've. I mean, how nice for them to lose Trent Brown to get a, a third round compensatory pick in next year's draft from that likely, and then just you know slot in Isaiah Wynn, last year's first round pick, who I think I love be him by the way. Player.
2: Yeah, I yeah. absolutely love him.
3: Yeah, I, boy, that guy. I mean, how how often do you see guys who are 6'2 who can
2: play the left tackle position like magic that? Magic feet, Sayer. Magic feet. Mm-hmm. That's how he does it. It's all feet. He blocks people with his feet at all times. I love it. I love it. I love watching who you got? him play. 32. Well, let's
3: see. This guy's going to go up against him in practice. I think this is another reach here. But uh, I think this guy's kind of the quintessential Patriot. I'm going to go with Chase Winovich out of Michigan. Okay. I think that's definitely the type of guy who could play multiple positions for them. He could drop into coverage if they need. He can play with his hand in the dirt. Uh, I think he's going to come really highly recommended by his college coaches. He's a high character kid. Uh, I think he's going to be a good good player in the NFL. I don't know if he's a top 32 player, but maybe he's a great fit for the Patriots, and they don't ever care about <laughs> what people think
2: of where they take guys.
3: That's for darn sure. So I could see him being picked number 32 there for them.
2: Boy, I'm going to tell you what. If you'd have told me at the end of the college football season that Chase Winovich would have snuck his way into a first-round mock draft on my podcast, I would have called you foolish. But then seeing what he did at the combine, man, he really blew it out of the water. I mean, ran well, tested well, benched well, did it all. And I'm sure he more than interviewed well. Um, there at the combine as well so that is our <laughs> first round mock drafts there some names still left on the board right Daniel Jones the lone quarterback left unless you like Will Greer all the wide receivers are still available AJ Brown Hollywood Brown Paris Campbell even Riley Ridley offensive tackles if you still need them on day two Dalton Reiser, Greg Little uh interior offense alignment Eldon Jenkins a guy like Eric McCoy still available Chris Lindstrom uh all the tight ends, all those guys are off the board. Uh, the notable names are all gone. As far as all the defensive linemen, they're all gone. They went like wildfire. Uh, I think we had seven defensive ends go in our mock draft so far, Sarah. Um, the only notable linebackers went off the board. Taylor Rapp still available. All the safeties outside of John Abram will still be available. Rocky Sin, who, who are out of those names who are some names we probably should have drafted? Who do we miss on there, Sarah, in your opinion? I think we did a damn good job. I think so, too.
3: I think you mentioned Hollywood Brown is a guy. I don't know if teams are going to be scared off by the injury, but, man, speed kills in the NFL, and he's got it in spades. And so, pick yeah. him. And then the other guy for me is Dalton Reisner. And, again, mm-hmm. I defer to you, the offensive line expert. A dog. That guy play, a flat-out dog. Just, yeah, he's he's outstanding. I mean, you see a guy play with that kind of – that kind of competitive fire Mm -hmm. and then just listening to him talk at the combine, the confidence that he has. Again, I love that in a young player. I love when guys don't give politically correct answers when they're asked, like, do you think you're the best this in the, in this year's draft? Do you, you know, whatever it is, I love when they give the confident answers and they say, Oh yeah, you know, I am, I am that guy. Uh, and I think he's a guy who's going to change, Kind of changed the culture of an offensive line, and so I could easily see him being a first-round pick. I mean, you look even all the way back to the Vikings at 18; I think he'd be a good pick for them there. But you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, last year at this time, we thought Cortland Sutton was a lock top 20 pick, and he fell to mm-hmm. the you know the early portion of round two. So you just never know what's going to happen.
2: Man, you knew you had to sneak another Denver Broncos fanboy comment in <laughs> there, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did. We got a we got
3: a first-round value there in Cortland
2: Sutton. You know it. All right. All right. Well, Sarah, I appreciate you for joining us. Before you leave, man, direct the people to your work. How can they find you on Twitter? All that good stuff. Where can they read your work? All that stuff, man.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Bettinger, S-A-Y-R-E-B-E-D-I-N-G-E-R, because I I know that's going to be hard to just the phonetics of it. It doesn't work out for most people. So it's all good. Uh, you can follow me there. I write for nflmox.com and also predominantly Orange.com. That's where I cover the Denver Broncos. And so, and like you said, we'll be we'll be getting the Knights of Den podcast, Brandon and I, uh, back going here sooner than later. So it's going to be a fun off season. I love it. I love this time of year. We build a lot of relationships on Twitter this time of year.
2: So uh, I think I say let's have some fun together. Most definitely, Sarah. I appreciate you for joining us here on the NFL Mocks Podcast, brought to you by Fansided. And, buddy, keep doing what you're doing while you're editing my post, man, and all my writings. I really appreciate what you're doing for me, man. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, bud. We'll talk to you soon.